0: This morning's session is called Living in the Tension, Adopting a Sojourner Mindset. And please do follow along on your outline. Um, I will tell you that if you just sit there today and that you just listen, you're not going to remember a lot. It goes right out um, of our minds the second that we leave and I think that the enemy wins sometimes in that way. So if the Holy Spirit is speaking you, to you today, in any of these areas that we're covering, write it down, journal it, date it, so that when you go home, you have an opportunity to revisit it and to really allow it to become a part of who you are. You know, retreats, one-day conferences, these are life changing moments if we will allow the lord to come in and do the work that he needs to do if we're yielded if we're really desiring he is going to meet us in that place and he's going to do something exciting in our lives we never I I love what um, Yvonne said earlier We never need to be afraid Of what our good and loving Father Is going to reveal to us Because it's for our good It's for our strengthening So don't fight it Go with it, okay? Do I have you with me? Oh good, That that was good Okay, just want you to listen to this old gospel hymn Just a few lines here From Albert Edward Brumley That were written in 1936 This is actually him I'm not going to sing it Or you would all walk out that door But the words go This world is not my home Repeat after me This world is not my home I'm just passing through My treasures are laid up Somewhere beyond the blue. Oh, you want to repeat it? Good. Okay, let's go. Yeah, you're listening. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. Oh, you sound so good. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Woo. Wow! Yeah! You can clap. Thank you Albert Brumley. <laughs> Thomas Constable said Christians, if they rightly consider their calling, must never settle themselves here, but feel themselves travelers. That is what Sojourn, my friends, is all about. And as we begin our conference this morning, let me ask you an important question. Where is your home? Well, thank you, Mary. (laughs) Where is your home? I don't think we wake up every morning and think about the first thing that jumps into our mind is this world is not my home. This world is not my home. I had to ask myself the same question not too long ago. After returning to California three years ago, my husband and I found ourselves with no income, a broken down car, no place to live, and with absolutely nothing going according to plan. And after a serious meltdown with tears streaming down my eyes, I remember getting in the car. Uh, This is vivid for me. I turned to my husband and said, Why? Why am I so unsettled? Why am I so unsettled? There was something wrong. I mean, my husband and I have lived for years a very simple lifestyle. We have traveled. We've, we've been very open to where God wants to send us. We moved I don't know how many times. I was like, what is wrong with me? Why am I so unsettled? And guess what my husband's reply was? He looked at me and he said, you're supposed to be. And I went, what? What? well, thank you for the compassion and the sympathy. I mean, could I just have a pity party for a few minutes? But that's what I absolutely love about my husband because he won't let me go there. I am so thankful uh, how he holds me accountable. But you know, after I got over my little, uh, you're not compassionate, the Holy Spirit began to convict my heart was like resonating with me, unsettled, unsettled. Why am I so unsettled? And when I get unsettled, I write a Bible study. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's just what happens. <laughs> because I, the studies I bring to women, I first go through in my own personal life. And I journal out of that. And out comes a Bible study. And I figure out that if I'm going through this, somebody else is too. I'm not the only one. But that began a deep examination of my heart, and so I hope that you're willing today. How about you? Where in your life are things unsettled? By unsettled, I mean this. These are some dictionary definitions. Not fixed or stable. Lacking order. Here's a good one. Uncomfortable. Continuously changing. An uncertainty about the future and the emotions that come with that. Maybe you're feeling anxious. Maybe you're feeling doubtful. Maybe you are filled with fear. Well, my friends and my dearest sisters, let me share with you what I discovered. Living the Christian life is an unsettled life, it's not supposed to be comfortable. It is, if we are truly living the Christian life, we are living an unsettled life. This is right out of my study. We can become so concerned and burdened with what is going on in this life, you and me, that we easily, easily, every day forget this world is not our home. But there's this incredible tension that must be employed as we seek to live between two worlds. If we are not careful to search our minds and our hearts on a regular basis, we may find ourselves wasting precious moments in our lives, living in futility for this world instead of fruitfully for the next one. Let me tell you, I can't be more serious about that. We forget who we are. We forget our true identity. And that is why we are here today to remind one another, to encourage one another in our true identity, to allow Peter's ex- exhortation in 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12 to invade our lives. So if you will turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter, we are going to be in chapter 2 Looking at verses 11 and 12, did you ever know I, that you were able to get a Bible study out of two verses? <laughs> Do you know that you can get a Bible study out of one? But two verses, we are going to dig deep. We're going to stare into this passage and really soak in it for what God has for us. That is first Peter two, eleven to twelve. Peter writes, Beloved, beloved, I beg you, I beg you, he's pleading with you and me as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that then when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. You now, Peter wrote to believers who had been dispersed throughout northern Asia Minor, which is today known as modern day Turkey, somewhere in the time period between AD 60 and AD 65. Peter's original readers found great joy in their Christian identity. But suffered intense persecution for their faith. So you have to understand because we don't get that so much here. What these Christians were facing and what they were being asked to do in light of that persecution. How they were being asked by God to live in light of all the hard things that were going on. So Peter invites you and me this morning to reclaim, to reclaim our sojourner status in order to understand how to live as Christians in a world that is becoming more and more hostile to the principles of the gospel we may find ourselves in not too long a time suffering more and more persecution. Will we be ready for it is my question. Or have we fallen asleep? Will we be ready? Will our inner woman be strengthened to suffer in that way for Jesus Christ? So I want to pray right now, and then we will get into this outline. Okay, Father, thank you so much for these beautiful women here. I see them so attentive and so desirous, Lord, to hear from you. Please move me out of the way, God, as you begin to speak your word into our hearts. Thank you for Peter, what you did in Peter's life. That should give us all hope and encouragement, the transformation in Peter's life we want that in ours, that we would live and take risks as he did and even die for you if that's what we're called to. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name, amen. So I just want to define some terms for you so you understand where we're headed. But the word sojourn, which is the title of this conference and I absolutely love, it means to dwell for a time. To dwell or live in a place as a temporary resident or as a stranger, not considering the place as our permanent habitation. The word sojourner, therefore, means a temporary resident who lives with a very different mindset, that idea of I am just passing through. I am just passing through. But as God has put us in this world, this tension is real. We are told in the Bible, yes, you are in the world, but not to become of it. That is where the struggle lies, isn't it? We have to live here. But how do we not let here impact us? That is a very real struggle. And I want to encourage you today that some of the things you are going through is this very tension. You were made for heaven. You were made for heaven. And sometimes you may not even know it, but the real longing of your soul is because you are a child of God and this is not your home. And you want relief. And you want to live in that perfect place. Right? No more tears. No more losing loved ones. We all want that, don't we? So we need to be able to recognize when those longings come and turn to our Heavenly Father and tell Him that, help us, help me, Lord, to live here for you Because it's living in the tension of the now but the not yet. And this means we are to have a healthy respect for the culture. A healthy respect for the culture. But at the same time maintain an appropriate distance from it. That is the tension That I am talking about this morning. And it is important. So important for you to understand the role. That our identity as sojourners. Sojourners and pilgrims. Plays to effectively live in this tension. Embracing the mindset of a sojourner. Is absolutely critical. To living effectively in this tension. And here's why. Jot this down. It impacts how you and I suffer. It impacts how we respond under persecution. It impacts how we deal with temptation and our sanctification. And most importantly, it impacts our Christian witness and ultimately impacts God's glory. Well, if those aren't reasons enough alone to maintain this mindset, I don't know what is. So the goal today is a good heart check. We want to evaluate and examine our lives in light of Peter's exhortation. Asking God to cut away anything that is tethering you and me to this world. Cut it away. It's what he had to do in my life. Cut it away, Lord. Cut it away so I can live for you. But in order to do that, we have to know first whose we are and who we are. And we start with First Peter 2.11 and one word, that word, beloved. Beloved. You are the beloved of God. We are the beloved of God. We need to know that we are His. And it's interesting when you study this word in the Greek, because Peter this is an affectionate term, and it means esteemed or dear or fav- favored one, or worthy of love. But in the Greek, this word is really signaling. When Peter uses it to his brothers and sisters in Christ, it's really signaling to remind them that they are the beloved of God. It comes from the agape word in the Greek. So when he says beloved, think about what a tender and affectionate term that is. Before somebody asks you to do something hard, beloved. 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 You know, God, but, but we need to know God wants us to know that we're loved before he asks us to do anything else. Right? Right? This word is used repeatedly to express God the Father's love for Jesus. And for you and me in Matthew three seventeen, and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And I was astounded as I was going through this. I was just reminding my own life. Do you know how much God loves you? Jesus said in John seventeen twenty three, and this is the New Living Translation, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. And listen to this, and that you love them as much as you love me. Wow. wow. God loves you just like he loves his son. No less. That should bring us to tears. We did absolutely nothing to deserve that love. He loved us first. He loved us first. So key number one, and I want you to write this down because this is important. We are only able to live victoriously as sojourners if we are able to trust in God's perfect love for us. We may live unsettled lives, but we remain settled in God's love. And that's how we have victory because we trust God's good and perfect plan for us. We trust His love. We trust, as Yvonne said so well, and all those songs, oh, they were beautiful. Thank you, Denise and worship team, reminding us of God's love. Do you trust His love? When he asks you to do something hard or when things come into your life, do you understand that yes, first, God is good and that God has a perfect plan? And I always say, who wants to mess with a perfect plan? I don't know about you, but not me. (laughs) But our love, our love is a response to his love revealed in the cross of Jesus Christ. The truth that God loved you and me enough to send Jesus to die for our sins. This should motivate us to endure any hardship for the brief time that we are here on this earth. To trust in God's love for us. Paul said... And I love his words in Second Corinthians five fourteen to fifteen. It is the love of Christ that compels me. That was Paul's motivation. That is our motivation. That is our response that we're to no longer live for ourselves, but for Christ who died and rose again. That is the truth gratitude, love, appreciation. our lives sacrificed for what God has done for us to accomplish his mission here in the world. Because it is when suffering comes, my friends, that we begin to doubt God's love. I almost think that the blessings we enjoy in this life can actually work to our detriment. I want you to think about that for a minute. We wrongly believe That we are entitled to a trouble free life. So that when hardship comes, we are shocked and surprised. And we do everything, everything in our power to resist, avoid, and reject suffering. But let me lovingly remind you heaven is not here. We have the Holy Spirit living in us, but heaven, this is not heaven. How, how do we think that this is somehow, should be heaven for the Christian? We live in fallen, broken world. I want you to write that down. Because this is key point number two. We live, you need to accept, embrace the fact that we live in fallen, broken world. We suffer daily, and you probably don't even think about this, but we suffer daily from a fallen body. Well, mine, I could tell you that. It's fallen all right. You can hear it when I get out of bed in the morning. (laughs) But don't we have those loved ones who are suffering with illness, people in our, our churches? It seems like every other day somebody has cancer. We live in these bodies that are dying. We live in a fallen environment. Look at the storms. Look at the earthquakes. Fallen world. Fallen world. We live in a fallen culture. And can I just say. California is a bit more fallen. (laughs) I've been to some places. (laughs) And uh, the materialism. The all about self, it's all about me. We also are in a very real spiritual battle with Satan and his demons, the invisible war. We suffer with other people's limitations and imperfections and they suffer with ours. And if that's not enough, others sin against us and we sin against them. Everybody here in this room that's a sinner saved by grace, please raise your hand. Oh, thank you. That was a quick response. You know, I do that to break the ice when I go and teach at retreats and conferences, and sometimes women just look at me. And I'm like, is there anybody in this room that's not a sinner saved by grace? (laughs) But we are sinners, we don't even know the depth of, of that because we live in fallen broken world and i want to tell you that i wrote a bible study which i brought with me today as well called suffering well and when i was in seminary and i was studying the book of job i was so impacted in that book i had read that book many times before but i the lord took me deep and i was like oh my goodness there is a theology of suffering here throughout the bible that i have not has not clicked it has not clicked and, and actually how suffering is a big part of our Christianity. And if we don't understand it, we can't help other people who are suffering. We can't be afraid of it. Or the woman who comes to see you and me and who needs our encouragement and who needs faith and who needs to be strengthened. You have to believe that God is good in the midst of the suffering. You have to help her understand we live in a fallen, broken world. You know, it's easy in a day of such rapid technological advances to depend on ourselves for everything. And I really think that this is a problem for us. Because I want to just give you an example. Have you ever considered what the saints did before modern medicine? John Owen, who was a great theologian, he lived from 1616 to 1683. And he lost 10 of his 11 children with his other daughter dying young. And this is the story of many of the great saints before medicine. There were plagues, there were disease that we don't have. They didn't have what we are afforded today today. So these saints were continually faced with the reality of death. And they had to go on and fulfill their mission for Jesus Christ. And this enabled them to live more fully conscious in light of heaven. And I know those of you in this room. I know there's people in this body who have suffered that this year alone. As have I um, lost some good friends This year. It just seems like more and more as we become more and more fallen. But the reality is, heaven becomes real because you want to be with them. That's what the saints of old, that's why the saints of old, they talked about pilgrimage all the time. That was a major theme. And I'm so thankful um, that these women here on this team. Embrace this theme because I think, and um, I'm getting a lot of calls right now. God is doing something right now. He's calling us back to this. You are sojourners and pilgrims. This world is not your home. And I have something for you to do. So wake up. So wake up. And who we are, whose we are and who we are, strangers and pilgrims. Our confession is to be that of the great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. Hebrews eleven thirteen said, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and listen to this, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims. On the earth, this was their confession. This word confess in the Greek means to agree with, to not deny, to profess, to declare it openly, to give thanks and celebrate. That's what the saints of old did. They celebrated that this world was not their home. My fellow sojourners and pilgrims, this world is not our home. But if the truth be told, we can be guilty of living like it is. It's quite easy to grow comfortable and settle in. When God brings change into our lives, we resist and fight to protect what we wrongly believe is ours. This was me. You know, we were at the time, I love my mom, but we were living with my mother longer than we intended But um, And you know, I've never owned a home. Um, God was very clear to show me and Leroy, we've always been content in that. But at that moment, I wanted a home. (laughs) I wanted a home to call my own. And the Lord told me, this world is not your home. What's the big deal about the home, Margie? But for some reason, at this point in my life, and I think too, I was going from some culture shock coming back from the East Coast, which I need to give myself some grace for that time. (laughs) But um, these change was, I mean, if we read the stories of the great heroes of the faith in the Bible, it was all about uncertainty and change in their lives. Nothing was ever consistent. Nothing remained the same. Imagine if you were the Israelites and you just set up camp and the cloud moved and you had to pack up and go again. (laughs) How would you like that? Maybe sometimes God let him settle for a week or two, but then, you know, he's like, come on, pack up, go. What do you mean? We just got here. I've had that happen too. (laughs) But these are these things we need to seriously stop and think. Why is it important that we declare ourselves, that we confess it? Because God wanted a people set apart for himself. I want you to write that down. You have been set apart by God. You are not your own. You are his possession. And we have been set apart by him. Leviticus twenty twenty six says this. And you shall be holy to me. For I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. You are a holy people. I have sanctified you by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are to live differently than everyone else. And you know when I study the Old Testament, I like to think of the Old Testament. Ray Stedman, he's a great commentator. And one day he, in uh, one of his commentaries I was reading, he says, The Old Testament are pictures of the principles in the New Testament. And I love that because it's really helped me to embrace the Old Testament. And I have all the verses there for you, and I don't have time to go through them all, but I'm going to sum them up. I was shocked when I read this. You need to go home and look up every single one of these verses in the New Living Translation. Israel was not to imitate the practices of surrounding nations. So here's a summary of what those verses say. Are you ready? Do not follow the crowd, (laughs) do not be swayed by the crowd. Do not live according to the customs of the people. Do not imitate the customs of the people. Do not worship worthless idols. Do not follow the world's example. Do not copy the standards of the world. Wow, what do you think about that? He over and over and over again, and what were they prone to do? Exactly the opposite. Over and over and over again. You are my people. I have a plan for you. And it's not to be a part of that. But every time they looked into the world. They wanted to be a part of that. They wanted to be a part of it. And we see Daniel who refused. To conform to the ways of Babylon. But do we ever stop to consider. What was Daniel up against? I see. we, We see him living this way. But he. Boy. That It's not easy to do what Daniel did. It's not easy. Because in every age, the world implements four strategies. And I just want to go over those very quickly with you so that you are aware of them. Isolation, indoctrination, assimilation, and confusion. Isolation. Daniel and his friends were removed from families and everything familiar. And I want to tell you today, you need to be... Totally involved in your church and with the the people of God, because if not, you're going to get lost. The enemy's tactic is isolation, and more and more people are deciding today that they don't need to go to church. I mean, I'm I'm sorry, I just can't get into online church. It's not the same. I don't know if God would have invented online church. I mean, it's great when that's all that we have. Don't get me wrong. But there is a cor- when corporate worship takes place, a lot happens. In the purpose and plan for Calvary Chapel Vista. In the purpose and plan for my church. Purpose and plan. God has a purpose and plan. And we come together corporately. And this is important. This is how we're stirred up. To love and good deeds. We cannot isolate They took Daniel and his friends away from everything that they knew. Indoctrination, worldly indoctrination, and takes place all the time through education, through entertainment, through cultural expectations. And I will just tell you the lack of a biblical worldview in Christianity today is appalling. That we don't see everything through the lens of what is taught in the Word of God. And that a large percentage of Christians do not know what the Word of God has to say on key topics. This is not good. How can we make disciples if we're ignorant ourselves of what the Word said? How can we share? We, We won't do what we ourselves have not done in our own personal life. But you are being indoctrinated each and every day. Some things getting into your mind and into your head. And if you're not able to discern the difference between what is God's truth and the world's truth, you're going to end up on a path, a very dangerous path. But many Christians, faith in... You know, our culture says faith in God is a personal thing. You do your thing, I do mine thing. All religions are valid paths to God. The purpose of life is to enjoy yourself by fulfilling what makes you happy. A woman has the right to choose. The human person can be reinvented and recreated in line with whatever identity they choose. And most recently, and what I taught on last weekend, embrace your victimhood. Embrace your victimhood. Stay a victim forever let dwell on all these bad things forever. We are Christians and we walk from a position of victory. There is no defeat for the believer in Jesus Christ. No defeat. Assimilation. That's just adjust- adjusting to the cultures and societal norms. Immersion. What I call immersion in the world of Babylon. The world says dress like me. Be entertained like me. Solve your problems like me. Do what I do. Oh, this is the way it has to be. You need to believe this. What voice do we listen to the most? Because the world is cheering for our compromise every single day. And last but not least, confusion. They gave Daniel and his friends new names. New names. Whoa, let's just take the identity right out from underneath them. The world is seeking to have you buy into a false identity. This is serious. An exchange, so to speak. Isn't the enemy clever in that way? Give give me that. You belong to Jesus? No, belong to the world. And in order to properly offer our bodies as living sacrifices, as Romans 12, 1, these are New Testament principles now. We must be transformed, refusing to conform to the world because we are a chosen generation, First Peter 9 says, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. And we are here to proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That is us. That is our identity. That is who we are. So, are we transforming or conforming? That's what I want to ask you today. Because. (laughs) Thank you! Yay! A.W. Tozer said that all conformity to the world is a negation of our Christian character and a surrender of our heavenly position. Conform in the Greek means to fashion alike or to conform to another's pattern. But here's what's interesting. When you study this word conform, it is both active and passive. Meaning this. That you may be actively participating and pursuing the world. Or you may be participating passively. Meaning that you are allowing the world... A slow but steady, eroding influence on your life just by doing nothing. Because if you are not transforming, you are conforming. The Net Bible says this it is very telling that being conformed to the present world is viewed as a passive notion, for it may suggest that it happens in part subconsciously. At the same time, the passive could well be a permissive passive suggesting that there may be some consciousness of the conformity taking place. Most likely it is a combination of both. We are conformed slowly through carelessness, through lack of attention, through plain neglect, which leads to our failure to transform. Can I tell you how much I love you all? Can I tell you that the word of God is where it's at? I don't know what we're thinking if we think that we can go one day... Without the word of God, because unless it is planted in you, it is not going to sprout out, (laughs) it is not going to grow, and you are not going to change. And the wisdom of the world right now is powerful, and it is having its way, so to speak. But we are letting it, we are letting it happen. Because we are neglecting the study of the word of God. And I tell you that in a heart of love. Because change happens no other way in the Christian life. It is the renewing of our mind and the spirit of God working together to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. That is how change happens. And I know that there are amazing women in this church. For any woman who is here today who wants to be discipled. Who wants to go deeper in the word. You're going to find someone here to do that with you. Don't be afraid to reach out because you are setting yourself... This is a dangerous path. Conforming is dangerous. It is very dangerous. So, and you need to know, the reason the mind needs to be renewed is because we have a default mindset. And that is an anti-God mindset. Our minds are still fallen, so they need to be renewed with the truth. So what is the remedy as we close up here? The remedy is the proper mindset. And I have a few things to leave you with. Practical ways that you can take with you and start today. Now. At lunch if you want. <laughs> but I want to read to you in the Phillips translation. 1 John 2.15.17. Because my point here is see the world for what it is. And take the warning seriously. Never give your hearts to this world. Or to any of the things in it. A man cannot love the father. And love the world at the same time. For the whole world system. Based as it is on man's primitive desires. Their greedy ambitions. And the glamour of all that they think splendid. Is not derived from the father at all none of it but all from the world itself the world and all its passionate desires will one day disappear but the woman who is following god's will is part of the permanent and she cannot die praise the lord So I want to leave you with seven what I call pilgrim principles and I want to give all credit to a great saint, Jonathan Edward. If you want a really deep devotional life, Jonathan Edward is a great guy to read. Uh, He talks a lot about pilgrimage and you can actually find this message, The Christian Pilgrim, written in 1733 online for free. You can download the whole thing. And read it, but I kind of updated it a bit and uh, put my own little spin on these seven pilgrim principles. Don't get comfortable. Don't get comfortable. Do you know when Libra and I went to the East Coast um, and I was sharing with a few people about our, our going back there? I actually had people say to me, How could you do that? How could you leave your grandchildren? It just, it was just like a fiery dart right in my heart. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I had to take that and take that home and take it to the Bible. That's not true. Jesus said we're called to leave our families. He, he comes first. Who am I to say no to that? But I believe that we say no to Jesus all the time because it doesn't work for us. Think about that. Don't get comfortable. The Christian life is not comfortable and God is going to challenge you to do greater things than you think you could ever do and you are going to be scared to death to do it I was I was next loosen your grip what are you afraid of losing what are you holding on too tightly to that you are so afraid that if it gets taken away you do not know what you will do sometimes God does that because those things are harmful to us. Aim at Christlikeness. Aim at Christlikeness. You know, we want to get out and be a very busy church, but Christlikeness is really what God is more concerned with. This means sitting with him, allowing the word to transform us and growing in character and in the fruit of the spirit so that ultimately God's love is just overflowing his joy his peace and other people see that and that character is winsome and and it's attractive and and people need it today when everybody's walking you know in the dark and they're all downcast and you come along and you're just this ray of light That doesn't happen unless we're sitting with the Lord and intentionally allowing Him. Aim at Christlikeness. It's a good goal. It's a worthy goal. Live without fear of death. Live without fear of death. We have the greatest message in all the world. Christ defeated death. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. And I want to encourage you that today. And I know that there are hearts hurting and, and people who um, have lost loved ones. But know that it's, that's not the end of the story. Yes, we miss them and we grieve. And there is a, a place, a healthy place for grief. But remember, it's not over yet. We will be reunited. We will. And there will come a day when each of us We'll die. But really, that day is the day we get to begin to live, right? Amen. We have the remedy for death. Oh my gosh. The world needs to hear that because so many people, unbelievers, are afraid of dying. They don't want to face it. Here's an important one travel together. It matters who you climb with. You need to be traveling on this journey. With women who are running their race to win. I just got together on Thursday with some very close friends of mine who are in the thick of ministry. We hardly ever see each other. We talk, we text, we pray for each other. But we got together, we weren't together three minutes at Mimi's, and we were crying. <laughs> we were just crying. We had gone through a lot together and we were like ready to talk, but we were just crying because we were in each other's presence. And it just felt so good because we, these are women that I can be real with and I can tell them when I'm really struggling. You need that. You need to climb <laughs> with good, strong women of God. And maybe you're a younger woman here today and grab an older woman. And come together. We come together for strengthening. We won't make it through this journey without those relationships. Find your satisfaction in God. Find your satisfaction in God. If you don't know how to do that, you need to study the attributes of God. You need to fall in love with God. You need to learn more about him. If he seems far and distant, he shouldn't. Jesus made it possible for you to have access to God and to come boldly to the throne. And he is your father. He is your perfect heavenly father who loves you unconditionally. And I guarantee you, it's exciting to study him. Study his attributes. Get to know him. And last and finally, ponder what you pursue. We are pursuing heaven. Ponder heaven. Think about it. Read books on it. One I can recommend for you is Randy Alcorn's book on heaven. And don't get the small little devotional one. It doesn't do justice to the big one. (laughs) But all the verses in the Bible are there. It's like a topical Bible study on heaven. And just take a few pages a day and read it so that you're pondering, that you are setting your mind on things above, as we're told in in Colossians, and as we ponder what we pursue, it's going to become more and more real to us. So with that, I'm going to close this in prayer. How you doing? Did you survive?: <laughs> Yay. Good. Good. Let me pray, Father, thank you so much. Wow. I, I just see your spirit moving and working in this place and the attentiveness of these women. and gosh. I'm with them, Lord. We just want to know more. We just need you more. And Lord, I just pray whatever your spirit desires to do in our remaining time together this morning, Lord, that you would be moving, that we would be willing, and that you would do what only you can do by the power of your spirit and your amazing word. In Jesus' name, amen.